0: Tuesday of Law and Gospel on this April the 19th in the year of our Lord 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker and we're going to be taking a look with Mark Smith on the hymn, O Sons and Daughters of the King. It was written by a Franciscan friar, Johann Tisserand. He died around 1497. He was a very popular Parisian preacher, and he founded a home for the wayward girls around 1492. Following his death, several of his writings appeared in print, one of which published between 1518 and 1536 contained this hymn. Originally, it was in nine stanzas. This Alleluia for the Day of Easter was expanded by an anonymous author to 12 verses with the story of Thomas and his doubts about the resurrected Jesus receiving additional attention. The hymn's popularity continued to increase, and it is still sung mainly in Latin in Catholic churches that retain that language. The resurrection employs all four canonical gospels, but this hymn is clearly based on the gospel according to Saint Luke. It's a hymn of the day for the second Sunday after Easter, namely Easter 2 and it makes the hymn especially appropriate because that is when the gospel is read. It's a well-known hymn, and because of its verses, we have nine of them we're going to be looking at. Pastor Smith, where will you be using this hymn? I'll be using this as a distribution hymn during the Lord's Supper. Yes. One service we have we have the Lord's Supper every other week, so there won't be uh, Lord's Supper. But I guess it's okay to sing as the sermon hymn.
1: Oh yeah, sure. Especially your sermons aren't very good anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding, Tom. <laughs>
0: oh, I thought you heard the last one.
1: <laughs>
0: oh yeah. Well no, you got of fun. you got
1: you got nine stanzas here, so you could cut your sermon short.
0: Well, yesterday we talked about what this hymn is talking about on law and gospel. And I'm actually going to, on the sermon, do something different. I'm going to probably follow the Revelation passage that's also for that day. Because during Lent, I had done the seven churches, you know, in Revelation 2 and 3 yes and right this particular passage is an introduction to that and has some points that will be very good for this uh what we call the second sunday of easter so without further ado since there are nine verses would you go ahead and read the first stanza please you bet
1: O sons and daughters of the king Whom heavenly hosts in glory sing, Today the grave has lost its sting. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia.
0: The grave has lost its sting. What sting is it talking about?
1: The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he giveth us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah, you're quoting, actually, 1 Corinthians 15. Right. Yeah, very important verse to talk about. And it's lost its sting because we cannot be stung anymore by the devil in accusing us of sinners not being good enough to go to heaven. Nobody is good enough to go to heaven, no matter how wonderful a Christian they are because their works simply cannot offset their sins. Right. So Jesus came, died on the cross, paid for our sins, and therefore today the grave has lost its sting. In other words, our body may be in the grave, but where are we? Our, our souls are with our Lord Jesus. Exactly, exactly. And, and then it... Has Alleluia now? There's two different ways to sing this hymn. Uh, we're following the one where the Alleluias are three of them at the end of each stanza. So, how many Alleluias would we be singing if you sung this version?
1: Twenty-seven. <laughs> Twenty-seven. Uh, evidently, Is that the one enough. That... <laughs> it's more than. Hey, look. Uh, our Lord is is ger- deserving of unending Allelujahs. I don't doubt that, but I have to tell you, this hymn I always feel like there's too many Allelujahs there. Now the next, the other version of this uh, only has, uh, let's say, I think he's got, uh, twelve. Uh, yeah, right. That's twelve. Cuts it down a little bit. So he he must have felt the same way about Alleluias as I do.
0: Oh, yes. So they're not singing any alo. now. Wh- 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 is it, hallelujah or Hallelujah?
1: Either one. They're they're the yes. same word. They just one has a hard breathing and the other one doesn't.
0: Yes, and um, I could ask you what the the word means but uh we talked but you about you better that a little. you better
1: not <laughs>
0: yeah it is what i had said to you earlier praise yeah. the lord uh-huh and praise the lord yeah, yeah that's what it means because the hala is for the the first part of it is the uh word for praise and there is a difference between hallelujah and hallelujah oh really but bo- yes they both mean the same thing praise the lord but uh-huh. hallelujah with an h is derived from the hebrew spelling of the word while Alleluia is the latin transliteration of the greek word for hallelujah huh That's so more than i knew yes well, that's why we do this, is because to help you learn what you're singing. <laughs> and I didn't put you on the spot. Now, if you had asked me what the difference between hallelujah and hallelujah was, I wouldn't have known until we talked a little earlier today. Yeah. But that that's the difference. And this one uses Alleluia, the A. So it's really the Greek transliteration of the Hebrew hallelujah. So where is this Bible text from?
1: Let's see. I think it's, um, uh, well, you said it was
0: mostly based on Luke, the the gospel story. Um, well, it's actually John chapter 20.
1: Oh, I see. John 20, 24 to 29, and Mark, yes. can, uh, is it Mark 16, 5 to 7? Right.
0: Yes. Um, what is interesting is the first part of the hymn, and let me read the second verse. That Easter morn, at break of day, the faithful women went their way, to seek the tomb where Jesus lay that actually is a gospel reading from last week Luke 24 remember okay. on the first day of the week at early dawn they went to the tomb right now what I find interesting is that the hymn writer refers to them as faithful women now when we think of a faithful woman, what comes to mind? What makes her faithful?
1: Well, I think that they were faithful in so far as following their Lord and wanting to do everything they possibly could for him to show their love. And that included, of course, uh, completing the uh, the embalming or the, uh,
0: anointing. the
1: anointing, the anointing of his body for, for burial. And so in that sense, in that sense, they were faithful or at least loyal. But you're right. They weren't faithful insofar as that they knew he would be, they believed in the resurrection. They they yet They had yet to believe that, or at least they didn't remember it.
0: Now, that is really an important point about remembering that you say, because they're at the grave and they're, perplexed it says they can't figure out because the body is missing they actually had gone into the grave and then uh, the angels tell them why do you seek the living among the dead he is not here but he has risen and then verse six remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. Now, verse 8 is really interesting to me. And they remembered his words. So this is the point of preaching. We're trying to bring to people a remembrance of what Jesus did and means for them. And that's why it's important to attend worship bible studies read the bible at home and devotions at home with the kids etc because we forget in fact we forget about the cross every time we sin we put i in front of jesus as being more important and it's amazing these women they heard the promise they remember the promise when the angel tells them, but for some reason, it was out of their minds because they were bringing spices to anoint a dead body when he wasn't even going to be there
1: well, you know that's interesting do you think Do you think they were really unbelieving at the, or disbelieving at that time or or they just needed to be reminded um you know, sometimes, sometimes we, too, need to be reminded of, of, of uh, certain things about our Lord, and uh, it resonates with them us right away when we're told. And we say, oh, yeah, I believe that, absolutely. I just kind of forgotten that teaching about him. Uh, that's kind of the way I see these ladies. They had, they had forgotten about that promise that he would rise again. But do you you think, I I, I still think, well, it says in the hymn that they're faithful. Do you think they had faith? Well, it's hard for us to know what was in their hearts. But I'm inclined to think that they were faithful. They just needed
0: to be reminded of the truth of the resurrection.
1: And it resonated with them
0: right away. I do not want to say that they were unbelievers. And Mm -hmm. if they had died, that they would go to hell. Because right. there were a, a number who followed Jesus but did not realize that He was God. They believed right. Him maybe to be the Messiah, etc. And so, right. whether we categorize those as weak faith, everybody in the congregation has weak faith in some area, and that's why it's really important. Um, recently, an individual came up to me and. You know, I'm an interim pastor at these four congregations and said that they were really glad to hear sermons because they were hearing things that they had never heard before. And Mm -hmm. see, that's a goal that we have in sermons from a law gospel point of view is to share with them. And I don't think there's hardly anybody in your congregation or mine that knows the difference between hallelujah and hallelujah. And that would be a a new point that they would not have realized. And it helps them to understand that praise the Lord is done in both languages. And it is something, as you said, that you can sing a lot of. So tell us what verse 3 says after these women came to the tomb. Okay.
1: An angel clad in white, they see, who sits and speaks unto the three. Your Lord will go to Galilee. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia.
0: Now, that's interesting, because in the Gospel of John, there are two men, two angels, not just the one. But in the other Gospel only one of them speaks. So right. that's why Jean Tisseron speaks only about an angel clad in white. There's no see.
1: contradiction there. There's no contradiction there. It, they're just complementary. One talks about two angels. The other one talks about one who spoke. Yeah.
0: That's a really good point to make, that contradictions often can be solved by taking a look at the whole context. And just because, for example, if we find out when we go to heaven that Jesus was tempted 45 times in the wilderness, are we going to say, well, that contradicts the Bible? Not at all. We're just told about, we're just told about several. And, uh, yes, right. But
1: He was probably, in 40 days, he was probably tempted a lot.
0: Yes, a lot exactly. More. And And so... There are no contradictions in the Bible, no, and that's part of the point. So that's all that this hymn does here. It just talks about uh, the women that they heard the angel. What I find interesting, and this shows us the status of women, they run back uh, to the disciples, and they say, you know, guess what? we have heard that he is risen from the dead but verse 11 of luke 24 says but these words seemed to the disciples to be an idle tale and they did not believe them isn't that
1: something though isn't that isn't that really <laughs> it's a little it's a little disgusting uh until maybe we p- place ourselves in their in their sandals i uh, that they didn't believe the women. And these God bless these women, they came back, they were the first they were the first witnesses about the resurrection. And the disciples, the disciples of all the people thought thought they were giving him an idle tale. Isn't that ironic?
0: Yes. Now see, the angel told them, "Do you remember?" They did, and they believed he had risen from the dead. But I'm sure they told the disciples Because in the Gospel of Mark, three times Jesus tells them, I'm going to Jerusalem, I will die, but three days later I will rise from the dead. So if they told them to remember what Jesus said, it was women telling them, and they still did not believe. Yeah. So the remembrance for them didn't work. Something else worked. And and that's what verse 4 is talking about. I'll read that. That night, so that's Easter, the apostles met in fear. Among them came their master dear and said, My peace be with you here. Now, I find that kind of interesting. Why did they meet in fear?
1: Well, they were... They were scared to death. They were scared for their own lives. They met behind uh, locked and bo- locked doors, and uh, they were afraid that, uh, you know, after Jesus was crucified, they were going to be hunted down too and uh, maybe put to death.
0: Well, remember, they all fled from him in right. the Garden of right. Gethsemane, all and it, only yeah. John was at the crucifixion. That's right. Even Peter, as boastful as he was, denied our Lord. Yeah. Yeah, three times.
1: But what's oh, interesting I... about this, Tom, is that the first thing the first thing Jesus says is peace be with you. That's the first thing he says. Uh, in, other, in, order, in, a, in other words, to put to put their hearts at ease. And his point is um, we are no, you're now reconciled with the father. You know, you've got nothing to fear. You're reconciled with the father. Remember what he said? He, he said, I, uh, I ascend to my, my God and your God, to my Father and your Father. We are reconciled uh, to the Father. And, and that's, in other words, the wall of sin has been broken down. The curtain in the temple is torn in
0: two. It's finished. And so, therefore, what we have here is a reconciliation on the part of the Father. The task of the church is not to get people to get God be reconciled to them. That's already occurred by the death and resurrection of Jesus. The task of the church is to help people be reconciled to God on his understanding, and and that is where faith comes in.
1: And you know, and perhaps those disciples you know being afraid of showing themselves at the crucifixion uh, their disbelief in the women's message uh, maybe they feared our Lord a little bit when they saw him again they thought well what kind of what kind of discipline is he going to wreak upon us and he puts them at ease right away
0: exactly now somebody was missing if you'll read stanza 5 okay then
1: Thomas first, the tidings when thomas first the tidings heard that they had seen the risen lord he doubted the disciples word
0: now isn't that something they all doubted the women talking which yeah. shows the status of women you know they're not were considered very good witnesses even in the mm-hmm. court case right now the disciples themselves tell thomas that they saw the lord and he doubted. Wow. Yes. So he doubted the disciples' word. And what happens if you'll read verse 6? My pierced side, O Thomas C.,
1: and look upon my hands, my feet. Not faithless, but believing be. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia.
0: Yes, now there's something that's really important here is that Thomas says, unless I can touch his wounds, but there is no touching that Thomas ever does. He just sees the Lord and immediately he cries out. In in fact, in John, there's nothing about the feet of Jesus. That, that's found also in Luke 24, that my hands and my feet, not faithless but believing be. And notice what he tells Thomas. He doesn't say, my pierced side, O Thomas, feel. He says, see. I personally don't believe that Thomas felt Jesus. He came to faith by seeing Jesus. Because he recognized Jesus as he knew him, and here he was resurrected. Right. Well, sure you know, Tom,
1: i uh, in my studies I've read that we would, if it weren't for this account of Thomas's uh, doubt, uh, talking about the wounds of Jesus in his hands and feet, we would not know. There's n- no other reference in the New Testament about the fact that he was uh, that he was nailed to the cross. In the Old Testament, we're told that uh, they pierced my hands and my feet. What is, that? is that Isaiah or, or Luke 22, or Psalm 22, one of those?
0: Yeah, Psalm 22 is the Psalm pierce. 22. But other than those two
1: passages, we wouldn't know. There are some people that even insisted that the Romans tied their victims to the cross. But, but this, this passage here in, about Thomas uh, reveals to us that he was indeed nailed to the cross.
0: Yes. And so you're talking about not that he was on the cross, because that's throughout the New Testament in 1 Corinthians 15, but you're talking about the actual nails. Yes, right. Yeah, I had not thought about that, that this is the only occasion. Well, what does uh, happen to Thomas in in verse 7, if you'd read that? No longer Thomas
1: then denied. He saw the feet the hands, the side. You are my Lord and God, he cried. Alleluia, alleluia,
0: alleluia. So notice it not says he felt the feet, the hands, the side. No, he saw the feet. Right. Now, boy. And then he gives
1: that wonderful confession. You are my Lord and God.
0: First time an apostle refers to Jesus as God. Vocally. Right. right. I'm sure the other disciples, the previous, did believe he was God. They just don't say it. But he's the first apostle to refer to Jesus as God. Yeah. So. We,
1: we shouldn't be too hard on Thomas. Uh, you know, he went on, of course, uh, he never, he was willing for one thing to go and die with Jesus when Jesus said, I must go to Jerusalem. And he said, let us go die with him. And, uh, and he went, his faith took him all the way to th- the Far East, as far as India, where he uh, actually built the church. Uh,
0: okay. His symbol.
1: I his need to symbol, go ahead. Y- yeah, you go, go ahead, on. Tom. Go ahead. Verse eight. I've, got, I've got a lot to How say How blessed
0: about are they who have not seen, and yet whose faith has constant being. For they, eternal life shall win. So notice, we haven't seen Jesus. Where's the best place that Jesus is where we don't see him? Well, the Lord's Supper. I, I, exactly. Well yeah. said. Because we received the body and blood. And would you read the last stanza, please?
1: On this most holy day of days, be laud and jubilee and praise. To God your hearts and voices raise.
0: That phrase, most holy day of days, is actually in the original referring to the Old Testament Festo sanctissimo, the days of Leviticus chapter 23, the Passover, feast of first fruits, feast of weeks, feast of trumpets, day of atonement, feast of booths. And it's all capsulized in Easter. Till tomorrow's Law and Gospel, Gospel. God bless you.
1: For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check-out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.